Thank you, Jovan. Um, he brings the energy, brothers and sisters. He brings the energy. He'll wear down the Energizer Bunny if he's not careful. Our dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the privilege of uh, knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for being invited uh, by your spirit into uh, your kingdom work. I pray this morning that you would remind us that uh, you are a God of providence and that you're altogether worthy of trust. In Christ's name, amen. Jacob deceived himself into thinking he was hoss enough to have four wives. Uh, brothers, uh, one wife keeps me as busy as I can uh, handle. And, uh, but Jacob got it in his head that it, it, he, he, could, he was man enough to have four wives. And uh, it didn't take him long to figure out that that did not work so well. Uh, jealousies arose. Uh, there were angry words. And then these four wives, they all had children. And Jacob ended up having 12 sons and one daughter. And of course, there were sibling rivalries between these 12 sons. Uh, you hear your mom saying angry things about one of the other wives. Uh, that leads to you thinking that... Uh, it's all right for you to say ugly things to your half-brother. So Jacob's family life was not pleasant. On top of that, Jacob favored one of his sons over all his other kids. I don't mean he secretly favored him. I mean he openly and publicly favored him. In fact, Jacob must have gone to uh, one of the um, caravans that went through the area and bought, him, bought his son Joseph a, uh, a, a, a robe that was made for royalty. Uh, and and uh, Joseph didn't mind strutting around in the thing. Uh, he, it kind of made him feel good to show off his fancy robe in front of his brothers. And his brothers grew to resent him. It's understandable. And then one day, Jacob showed, uh, Joseph showed up at breakfast. And he said to his brothers, I dreamed this dream. You, you, you got to hear it. And his brothers start saying, oh, shut up. We don't care about your dream. You're an idiot. And he said, no, no. He said, we were harvesting out in the field. And all of us put together a bundle of wheat. And we, 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 we piled them up. And all of a sudden, my bundle of wheat stood up. 
And when that happened, all of your bundles of wheat stood up and circled around my bundle of wheat. And then they all, all your bundles of wheat bowed down to my bundle of wheat. Now, I have uh, four daughters that were teenagers, and uh, it could get uh, ugly at the table from time to time. Uh, I'm absolutely sure there was food flying across the table, uh, and, and, and they were telling Joseph, you're an idiot. We, uh, and then Moses says, when he told this story, that his brothers grew to hate, to hate Joseph. But Joseph must not have been the most sensitive kid in the world because he showed up again and said, hey, I dreamed another dream. And his brothers this time really started, oh, shut up, get out of here. We, you think we care about your harebrained dreams? He goes, no, 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 everybody's got to hear it. He said, I dreamed that I was a very bright star and that the sun and the moon and 11 stars, they started rotating around me. And all of a sudden, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, they bowed down and worshiped me. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, Joseph had to send people to their room. There was, the place was mayhem. Uh, I'm sorry, Jacob had to send people to their room. It was mayhem. His brothers were yelling at him. It was just all uh, 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 out of control. But Moses said that Jacob began to think about this. Jacob was a man who had encountered God himself. He knew what an encounter with God felt like. And Jacob began to ponder, what, is this what does this really mean? Israel is not like Ohio. Uh, we have green everywhere. Uh, in Israel, uh, they don't have nearly the grassland we have. So Jacob had large herds and large flocks. And he was a Bedouin, and he had to move from place to place because the herds and the flocks would graze out the land. And so uh, 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 Jacob, uh, uh, his sons were uh, taking care of the flocks and the, um, and the herds, and he hadn't heard from them for a while. And so he sent Joseph to see how the, the, his sons were doing. And Joseph went to Shechem, where he, the brothers were supposed to be, but they weren't there. A man said that he saw his, the brothers and that they had gone to Dotham which was about 10 miles northwest of Shechem. And so Joseph went to Dotham to search for his brothers. They saw him coming before he saw them. And one of his brothers said, here comes the snotty little dreamer. Let's kill him. The resentment was so high that one of the brothers actually said, Let's kill him. Joseph didn't know what he was walking into, so when he walked up to them, all of a sudden a couple of his brothers grabbed him, 
they took off his royal robe and they put him in a pit. Well, it turns out the brothers didn't have the will to kill him, but they weren't done. Judah said, let's not kill him. Let's sell him and make some money. He said, the next time a caravan comes through here, we'll pull him up out of the pit and we'll sell him to the traders. And sure enough, a Midianite caravan came through and uh, they cut a deal and they sold their brother to the Midianite traders for 20 pieces of silver. The Midianites tied him up, made him part of the uh, 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 caravan, and walked him down to Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, the Midianites sold him to a slave dealer. And Joseph stood on the slave block to be inspected by potential buyers. I'm absolutely sure as Joseph walked with that caravan, he thought in his head, it's not supposed to be like this. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm absolutely sure when he stood on that slave block and people inspected him like he was a donkey, he said in his heart, this is not what you caused me to dream. This is not what you put, this is not the hope you put in my heart. And sure enough, Potiphar came along, the captain of Pharaoh's guard, and he bought Joseph for a house slave. And he took Joseph home. Well, it turned out Joseph did everything that they asked him to do and did it very well. Every job Potiphar gave him, uh, he did well. And so Potiphar started promoting him. He gave him a higher job and a higher job. And it wasn't too long that Joseph was in charge of all of Potiphar's house. Well, now he's saying to himself, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, I think we're on track now. Until one day, Potiphar's wife, who didn't have moral, a moral compass, she started hinting to Joseph, that she was available uh, if he felt like horsing around. And, and Joseph said, yeah, I, I, my master has trusted me with everything. There, I cannot betray him in that way. What an incredible, he was probably a teenage kid uh, I don't know when I was his age if I would have had that much uh, uh, self-control. 
But the more he turned her down, the more she persisted. See, she thought she was beautiful. She thought she was, uh, she thought she was irresistible. And one day it turned out that nobody else was in the house and Joseph had to go in the house and do something and she grabbed him. And, and, and uh, 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 she did everything she could uh, to seduce him. Uh, and finally, Joseph twisted out of his uh, robe and ran out of the house. And now she's insulted. Now she feels, you little brat. You are going to pay for this. And she started yelling, and other people came in the house, and she held up the robe and said, uh, Potiphar brought this Hebrew into our house, and, and he just tried to take advantage of me. Can you imagine the tension in the house as the time for Potiphar to come home got closer and closer? And when Potiphar came home from work that day, there she was. She burst into crocodile tears. She's holding up the robe. The slave you brought into our house tried to take advantage of me today. And Moses said that Potiphar was angry. And I have thought over the years, was he angry because he believed her or was he angry because he didn't believe her? Was he angry because he believed that Joseph did that? Or was he angry because he didn't believe Joseph did that? And, and, and uh, he had to confront the kind of woman that he had married. You have to know that Joseph was a slave. And if, and if uh, uh, Potiphar wanted... He could have killed him right there on the spot. Joseph had no rights. He, uh, he was, uh, he, Potiphar could have pulled out his sword and killed him and nobody would have said anything. Potiphar could have also uh, sold, sold him into hard labor. Uh, Potiphar had a lot of options uh, uh, to get even with Joseph. And ironically, he took the least harsh option. He put him in Pharaoh's jail. It's like going to federal prison is a whole lot easier than going to uh, Mansfield or wherever. County jail. Uh, he put him in Pharaoh's jail. Can you imagine his first night in jail? when he lays down and thinks to himself, this is not right. It's not supposed to be this way. I, I shouldn't even be in Egypt. My brothers betrayed me. I was, a, I was the best worker Potiphar had. I did not take advantage of his wife. I said no. And in spite of all of that, now here I am in prison. It's not supposed to be this way. You see, 
God wanted Joseph in Egypt. God was going to do something incredible, and God providentially uh, used the wickedness of his brothers to get him to Egypt. More than that, God wanted Joseph in Pharaoh's jail. He had, he had providentially planned for Joseph to meet a person in jail that was going to be used by God to do something that, was, that had generational influence. Logan, my clock's not running, so I don't know where I am. Um, okay. Uh, Joseph uh, was made a trustee in, in, in Pharaoh's uh, jail. And Pharaoh got mad at his cupbearer and his uh, baker, and he put them both in jail. And so the jailkeeper said to Joseph, we got to take good care of these guys. If Pharaoh changes his mind and wants them back, they can't show up beat up and mugged or anything. You take care of these guys. So Joseph babysat the cupbearer and the baker in jail. And one day they came, uh, and, and they both were kind of discouraged. And Joseph said, uh, uh, Joseph gave him the Javon treatment. Come on, it's a great day. What's wrong? Cheer up. And the, and, uh, the cupbearer said, I, I dreamed a dream last night, and it's bothering me. I, can't, I feel haunted by it. And Joseph said, well, God is the one who interprets dreams. What did you dream? He said, I dreamed that I had Pharaoh's cup in my hand. And I went to a, 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 a grapevine, and I squeezed three clusters of grapes into the cup. And then I gave the cup to Pharaoh. Joseph said, you're going to like this. The three clusters of grapes are three days, and in three days, Pharaoh is going to figure something out, and he's going to restore you to your job, and you're going to be his cupbearer again. So now he's high-fiving the baker, everything. I'm going to get out of here in three days. Life is going to be good again. And the baker said, yeah, I dreamed a dream too. Uh, I dreamed I had three baskets, and they had bread and pastries in them. And I was carrying these three baskets on my head to go to Pharaoh when the birds attacked and started eating the bread and the pastries out of my baskets. And uh, Joseph said, ah, this isn't good. Uh, you're not going to like this. The three baskets are three days. And in three days, Pharaoh is going to execute you and hang your body on a wall, and the birds will eat you. There was no high-fiving after that one. That was... Uh, so it was a tense three days. But at the end of the three days, sure enough, the cupbearer was restored to his job, and 
the baker was executed. The last thing Joseph said to the cupbearer before he left jail was, remember me when you go before Pharaoh. Tell him that I was kidnapped and I don't belong here. Tell him that I was unjustly accused by a woman of poor morals. I don't belong here and ask him to help me. And the cupbearer said, I promise you I will. No problem. Got you covered, buddy. And a couple sentences later, Moses wrote, but the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. When he got back to his house, when he got back to his job, he forgot Joseph. And day after day, month after month, Joseph sat in that jail saying to God, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I want, I want to tell you, divine providence is God working out a brilliant plan to accomplish his eternal purpose, but it doesn't always look the way we think it should. Joseph was a man who had a destiny, and God was moving him step by step toward that destiny. It just wasn't in the way that Joseph would have predicted. Uh, our church has been providentially guided by God. Uh, 41 years ago, uh, uh, 25 people uh, 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 voted uh, for uh, uh, me to be the pastor. And uh, God began to bless us. And, and, we, and we grew. And uh, do, did we bring pictures today? Or do, uh, and uh, we, filled up our, we filled up our building. Uh, this, is, uh, this is our little building. Uh, and uh, we filled the place up. And uh, we, uh, we went to two services. Uh, we put that steeple on there. Uh, uh, God was blessing us. Good things were happening. And we were feeling like, yes, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is great. Um, and uh, we were filling our building up twice. And uh, the right next door, there was a school that the pharma had sold uh, uh, because they didn't need it anymore. It was 10 acres. The school had an old part and a new part. And we, we, were gonna, we wanted to buy it. We told the guy we want to negotiate with you buying this building. And, and we were negotiating. We were going to tear down the old part. We were going to build a new auditorium. And uh, we were negotiating with him. And we thought for sure that God was going to give us this building. It, uh, we were parking there on Sunday. We, didn't, we were like you guys. We didn't have enough parking. And we were parking over there. And it, it looked like everything was coming together. And then that Antichrist sold the building to another church. In fact, he sold it to the church that was in this very building. The church that was in this very building, he sold them that building. They put this building as part of it. He turned this into a daycare center. Ah. Uh, 
Now we're out. Uh, we lose the building. We lose the parking. Uh, and, and I'm going to God. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, we rented a Lutheran church across the street, but somebody roller skated down the middle aisle, and uh, Lutherans don't like roller skates, and we got kicked out. Um, uh, and, and we're saying, we've got to have some help here, God. It's not supposed to look like this. Uh, so uh, we hired an architect, and we were going to build an auditorium, and we had 40% uh, of what we needed to build that auditorium. We went and started talking to the bank, and the savings and loan crisis hit. This looks like a young bunch, but in the 80s, there was a bunch of savings and loans that weren't operating properly, and they all collapsed at once. And you couldn't borrow a cup of cold water from a bank while they, all those audits were going on. And now we can't build. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough parking lot. Uh, we can't buy the place next door. We can't build. And, and we're, we're saying to God, we have, where are you? We need some help here. Uh, some of you don't know that uh, we originally intended to start a, a, a campus in Tremont. Uh, uh, and uh, the reason we moved to Old Brooklyn was uh, the Tremont uh, uh, Development Corporation blackballed us. They didn't want us in there because we were helping some poor old people fix their porches up and stuff, and they wanted to take those houses for, uh, and remodel them all, and here we are helping poor people get their house fixed up so they don't lose it. And, uh, uh, but God divinely moved us from there to here. It was a providential move of God. Um, uh, and uh, when we had exhausted all our options, I got a call from a friend of mine, and he said a, building, a church went out of a business in Strongsville. Now, our, our church was originally on the, north, um, the northeast side of uh, Parma, Broadview Road. We moved to the middle of Strongsville. We bought a building. God providentially blessed us. Uh, we bought the building. Uh, uh, we sold our other building. We paid, uh, we paid the new building off. We remodeled it. Uh, and it looked like, uh, all right, now, now we're ready to go. But when we moved, we uh, moved too far from some people to go. Uh, we changed the church's name and became a non-denominational church. And, and uh, we started permitting women to serve in ministry in any way they had a spiritual gift. Uh, we took the, 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 we took the uh, artificial uh, 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 restrictions off. And we lost a bunch of people. I mean, uh, uh, we looked like a BB in a beer mug in that new auditorium. Uh, uh, and oh, it was so it was so discouraging, and uh, and and I was saying this is not the vision. This is not the vision. But by the grace of God, 
uh, we began to grow in the early 90s. And uh, we grew from about, uh, we grew from about 50, 60 people there at Lund Road uh, to uh, last Christmas, this church had 3,800 people attend. Uh, in 1996, uh, we had a huge vision cast. Uh, uh, we did it in the, uh, in the uh, fellowship hall of the Lund Road building and, and uh, overhead projectors. Anybody remember overhead projectors? Uh, we had an overhead projector and, and I, I did a vision cast that by uh, 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 in 10 years, uh, we, would, we would average 1,000 people on it any, every Sunday. Uh, that was in 96. In uh, 2007, uh, we averaged uh, 1,000 people uh, uh, every Sunday. Uh, 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 we just had an elder meeting Saturday, and I made a major presentation to the elders. Last year, we averaged 2,023 people per Sunday uh, because God has providentially guided us step by step. So we outgrew the Lund Road building, and uh, we were having two services, and that was full, and, and God providentially guided us to the high school, but we had to set up and take down every single Sunday. So we bought this old junk box truck. I mean, it was junk, but it was not very expensive, and... And we put all the stuff in there, and we would drive it over to the high school. Everybody would set everything up. Uh, we'd do two services. We'd take everything down and, and haul it back to the church. Well, this thing was junk, and sometimes it wouldn't start. And my friend Don Dooley would have to tow it over there. Uh, 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 and, and we were saying to God, we need, we, we need help. Uh, you're blessing us. Uh, and uh, we started looking for land, and it took us two years, but um, God providentially led us to the property on uh, Route 82, 32 acres. And uh, I took the leadership team, and we went and looked at it, and, uh, and uh, after we looked at it, the, the real estate guy uh, said with a real snotty attitude, you're never going to get this. Don't get your hopes up. I wanted to smite the Philistine. I wanted to strike down the Moabite. Um, uh, I said, you don't know what, what, you don't know what God will do. And for the record, we have the land and he's out of business. Uh, 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 God providentially said no to a space in, in Parma because God knew that he is going to work in us providentially and he was going to provide us that land and we were going to build the landmark building that is there today. We didn't know it, but God did. And God knew how to providentially move us step by step, by step. Uh, uh, we, we had a planning uh, uh, session, 
and we agreed that we were a strong enough local church and we wanted to become a regional church, a church that would influence all of Northeastern Ohio for Jesus Christ. And one of our first steps to do that was we bought the building in Elyria and started a new campus there. Uh, Chet took some people from Christ Church and they went out there and uh, uh, so uh, they're averaging about 500 people a week now. Uh, uh, that was going well. We thought we'd start in Tremont, but God moved us here. Uh, we bought this building. Uh, 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 we, it, was, it was a wreck. There was rooms in here, and, and it hadn't been taken very good care of. Our guys and gals came in here. They, they tore the walls down. They cleaned everything up. They, they, they did, made it beautiful, as you see it is today. Um, uh, uh. Then we were going to start a, 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 another campus, and Jovan and I uh, talked about uh, this new campus and and uh, uh, probed around about what would be a good neighborhood. And we went all the way from Independence to Rocky River to uh, I think we went to Timbuktu for a little while, uh, uh, but then. Uh, the, the Parma Heights neighborhood looked like it was going to be a, a great start place. And uh, then uh, uh, God providentially uh, uh, moved some things around and it made it possible for uh, 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 Jovan to uh, take the people from that were going to go to uh, um, Parma Heights and, and, and join here and uh, give this campus a, 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 a fresh boot, uh, a reboot. Uh, uh, look, God providentially moves his church. God providentially shuts one door, but he opens another. God says, you were thinking about it this way, but I'm thinking about it in a very different way. Uh, and then we grew from being a, a regional church to, uh, to a church with international influence. We adopted a orphanage in Uganda. Uh, they just had their inspection and uh, they had the highest grade for, uh, uh, we're feeding those kids well. All, those food, all those, the food those kids eat, this church pays for. Uh, it, In Uganda, they don't have public schools, so uh, we pay for all those kids, and they go to an above-average school. Uh, uh, they're all learning to speak English because it's easy to get a job in Uganda if you can speak English. Uh, we bought them all Bibles. I was sharing this with Rick before the service. We bought them all Bibles. These kids take their Bibles and go into the village and they read it out loud to people. They don't have TVs and they don't have the internet and all that stuff there. So people will sit and listen to children read the Bible to them. It, it, it's incredible. And uh, we're, uh, we're, we're raising money to uh, help the orphanage uh, 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 buy, uh, build a new building that is just 
orphanage. It's not connected to other um, uh, because God is providentially using us for a purpose that is uh, his desire halfway around the world. Um, uh, we have, uh, we've had uh, from the very beginning what we call the century plan. The century plan is an idea that if we do this right, we will influence the church 100 years from now. So what does that look like? All right. So uh, uh, I'm a, fir a first-generation leader in this church, and uh, I'm 70 years old. Uh, I know I look about 52, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, our elders have already worked out a transition plan. We have the second generation leaders all in place and, and they could transition at any time. Uh, uh, I'm just not done yet. Uh, I, I have some more work to do. Uh, not only do we have uh, a second generation leaders, uh, Logan is a third generation leader. Uh, Logan is a third generation leader in our church. Um, um, Jovan is probably second generation. He's in the second generation group. Um, uh, uh, listen, uh, we have third generation leaders already growing into their potential to lead this church in the future. And better than that, we have fourth generational leaders. Last, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sarah and Jacob drove uh, eight uh, uh, kids, 18 to 22, to uh, uh, um, Atlanta, and they went to the Passion Conference. Uh, uh, one of these young men is changing his major because he wants to serve God. And he's changing his major in college uh, 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 to be a, a worship leader someday. We have fourth generation leaders uh, at the, going into the leadership funnel. Uh, we will be a century church because God is providentially moving in his church. Uh, Pharaoh restored the cupbearer to his job. And uh, the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph until the Pharaoh had a dream. And his dream bothered him bad. And the cupbearer said, what's wrong? And he said, I, I, I dreamed this dream, and it, I'm sick about it. I know it's important, but I don't know what it means. So the cupbearer said, oh, my sin comes before me today. When I was in jail, I had a dream, and a young man interpreted it and it came out true. And Pharaoh said, get that guy up here. They went down to the jail, they got him, they cleaned him up, they brought him before Pharaoh. And, and Joseph said, uh, uh, tell me your dream. And Pharaoh said, well, you see, I, was, I dreamed that I was down by the Nile River, and there were seven cows 
They were plump. They were healthy. They were everything you want a cow to be. And all of a sudden, up out of the Nile came seven skinny, runty, flea-bitten, ugly, bony cows. And these ugly, bony cows ate the seven good cows. But didn't change at all. They stayed scrawny, bony, and unhealthy. And he said, the Pharaoh said, I startled awake and... Uh, and uh, uh, it, uh, it bothered me, but I, I, I dozed off to sleep again, and uh, I saw seven healthy, good ears of corn. And on a stalk right next to it, seven blighted, wind-blown, uh, wilted, ugly ears of corn. And the ugly ears of corn ate the good ears of corn, but didn't change at all. And uh, Joseph said, yeah, I understand this dream. There's going to be seven years where Egypt produces the most it's ever produced. But at the end of those seven years, there's going to be seven years of famine. And the famine is going to be so bad that it will consume everything you're able to save. And Pharaoh said, can we find a man wiser than this? And Pharaoh promoted Joseph to be the premier of Egypt. And for seven years, Joseph collected, 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 built storehouses, filled granaries, did everything he could to prepare for the famine. And sure enough, at the end of seven years, the famine hit. And it hit hard. And it wasn't just Egypt, it was also Israel. And Jacob said to his sons, I heard that there's food in Egypt. I want you to go down and buy us some. And the brothers took their donkeys and went to Egypt. And when they got there to buy food, guess who was responsible for distributing the food? Joseph. And when his brothers came before Joseph, they didn't recognize him. He looked like an Egyptian. He dressed like an Egyptian. And Moses said when his brothers came before him, they bowed down to him. Just as God had said they would. You can read uh, the rest of this story. Uh, Joseph uh, and, uh, uh, brings his whole family and he saves them through the uh, famine. You see, in the providence of God, that only God understood, God needed to get Joseph to Egypt. He just sent him there a way that nobody expected. In the providence of God, God needed to get Joseph before Pharaoh. He just did that in a way that no one would expect. In the providence of God, he intended to elevate Joseph so that when the famine hit, Joseph would be in a divine position to take care of his family and guarantee their future. The providence of God doesn't look like we think it should, but it is at work in every generation in history. Um, uh, God is providentially at work in our church. Uh, uh, 
in his great providence, God wants to use us to demonstrate the excellence of Christ to this generation. There are thousands of people that Christ is, is going to save. He's going to bring back into the family. And he's going to do it in this church. Um, we're not, this isn't the last campus we, we start. We, we're going to start another campus. We're already planning. We're, we're already doing the initial work on, on plan, another campus. Uh, we want to attract people to Jesus Christ in every single neighborhood in northeastern Ohio. We have, a, we have a desire to be providentially used by God to invite people into the joy of ministry. If you're not serving God in some way, why not? God has made you unique. He has equipped you. He's given you gifts. It's part of his divine purpose for your life. You need to say yes to God and serve in some way. God is at work in our church through the adventure of faith. We do hard things. We do hard things because we believe in the God of providence. Uh, God is at work in our church to be a culture of generosity. We fund good all around the world. We don't just, we don't just, uh, we don't just make nice places for ourselves. We don't just serve ourselves. Uh, we, we make sacrifices as a church so we can partner with God in funding good wherever he asks us to fund good. If, if you haven't learned the goodness of generosity, why don't you let God work in your heart a little bit? Why don't you experiment with generosity and see what the God of providence would do to bless you if you trusted him and, and became part of funding good in the world. Divine providence doesn't look like what it should. But I'm telling you, uh, God always is faithful. And we can trust him absolutely in whatever he asks us to do because he has proven that he is providentially faithful to accomplish everything in his good purpose. Our dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would look on us with favor. I pray that you would bless this campus. I pray that thousands of people would come to faith in Jesus Christ and grow up and become influential for good. And I ask this in Jesus' name.